You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tagan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What is up, all you fine folks out there in podcast land? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. I am your host, John Hudspeth, and we are prime time, middle of November, heat of the rut right now. Uh, man, when this this is going to come out, I think I'm like the 13th, 14th, somewhere in there. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys have been getting out there and getting in the woods. This last week hasn't been the best conditions. It's been pretty warm. Uh, we had like one nice little cold day on Saturday, but it pretty much immediately warmed back up. And so I've heard from a lot of people that the rut's been a little bit of a struggle. Um, I haven't got to do a ton of hunting. I was out this last weekend uh, out in West Texas with my buddies. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Um, but yeah, it seems like kind of nationwide, if you just look across you know, social media and people all across the country, it seems like this has been kind of a slow rut so far. Just again, warm weathers. Weathers, <laughs> warm weather. Uh, I think a lot of places have had some rain, and so it's just kind of been a grind. But you know what? That's what deer hunting is all about. It's about the grind. So hopefully, you guys have still been getting out there. Hopefully, some of you have found some success. Um, yeah, this last weekend, like I mentioned, I was out in West Texas. Uh, first off, it was just is a really really fun time. Uh, there was uh, five of us out there, a bunch of my old hunting buddies, and. Uh, one guy, uh, the guy who has the least, Randy, uh, we know each other from high school. My buddy Kelly from college was out there. He's now buddies with Randy through me. Um, and then one of Rice, one of Randy's high school buddies was out there. And then another guy, Casey, who's been actually been on the podcast. He was the uh, the bow fishing guy that we had on several months ago. Uh, so, yeah, we had a nice big group out there. It was kind of funny. I feel like this more than any other year in the past, like it was very apparent that we're getting older. <laughs> like we're not old yet, but we're all like around that 
32 to 33 age. I think Casey might be a year or two older than me. I'm 33. Uh, but yeah, three of the five of us had kids. And so, uh, yeah, like I just, I went out there tired, you know, from keeping my child. And then we were waking up super early. So that just kind of kept me tired. Um, but yeah, it was a great time. My buddy Kelly uh, shot his biggest whitetail to date. Um, Casey got a pretty nice management buck. Randy shot a doe. Uh, so yeah, it was just it was just a really good time. Uh, Randy and I got to go out to his new lease uh, Saturday evening, I guess, and uh, he shot a couple hogs out there while we were together. And uh, yeah, overall, just a really good time. But uh, I do have one pretty funny story that I got to tell. So we all got out there uh, Friday, but you know, it didn't open till Saturday. Uh, I actually did go hunt Friday. Oh, I almost forgot about that. I actually did make it out in time to hunt Friday evening because of the crazy rain. I got to leave work a little early. Uh, but I, I left straight from work to go out there. I had all my stuff with me, uh, but rifle season wasn't open and I just brought my rifle cause that's all I was planning on doing, but, uh, get out there and I had plenty of time to hunt. Uh, but Randy had a crossbow that he keeps out there. He just bought it this year. And so it was out there. He's like, Hey man, if you want to take it and go out there, go for it. And so I was like, all right, I have zero crossbow experience. Um, but I basically watched a bunch of YouTube videos, you know, figured out what I was doing. Uh, headed out there, and uh, I'm trying to think. I, I didn't. I know I didn't shoot anything. I saw. I think I saw two bucks that evening, but uh, both of them were pretty young. I think if I remember right, it was like a yearling and a two year old. Um, so yeah, no shooters that evening. But it was kind of cool. My first ever crossbow hunt. So that was something you know check off the list. And then anyway, got back to the house. The other guys all got there about the same time I got back. So we just hung out. Uh, ate some enchiladas that night, Got went to bed pretty early because we woke up, man, I think we woke up at 5 a.m. the next morning. Uh, Randy had brought a bunch of uh, Chick-fil-A chicken biscuits or chicken minis and stuff for breakfast. So ate nice breakfast, went out there. And uh, I think I've talked about this before, but the way, really the way a lot of these places in, in South Texas and West Texas and kind of your typical brush country work is you have a main road and then you have blinds and feeders basically right on that main road. So you basically all go out there together and then just ever so often, you know, somebody hops out and climbs in a blind. And so we drive out there and his place is super long and skinny, which is pretty nice because, you know, it hunts bigger than it really is. And so we dropped Casey off first and he was going to be a pretty good ways from the rest of us. He was at a newer spot they had made that year. And then uh, we had two vehicles. So uh, myself and Randy's buddy JB, we hunted together that morning, and we were in Randy's electric uh, Polaris Ranger. Sorry. Uh, so it, it's electric, so it's nice and quiet. And the reason we took it is because we were going to go the farthest. So we were driving by everybody else's spots. So we took the Ranger so it was quieter. And then uh, Randy and the other guys were in. Randy has like a Nissan uh, Frontier truck out there, a little truck. And so anyway, we couldn't all fit in it, so we took two, and uh, right away, we start driving. Again, we leave the house at like 5.30 in the morning, you know, pitch black, getting out there, and I'm looking at the the battery gauge on this Ranger, because I've been in this situation before, and I like right off the bat, I'm like, there's no way we're going to make it out there and make it back. Like, it, like the battery gauge is going down really quick. Uh, so anyway, so we're going out there. We go, I mean, we're going miles and miles. I think I've talked about this. So it's like two miles from that, where we stayed to the gate. And then it's several more miles back there. And so we, we have to go through a different landowner before we get to Randy's place. And just, it's just a long, long, long way out there. So me and JB, we get to our spot, we park and I look down and the battery's at like 30%. And so I already know for a fact that there's no way we're going to make it back to the house. Cause we've used well over 50% of our battery. So anyway, we, 
get in the blind. We're like, you know, we'll figure that out later. Uh, get in the blind, have a pretty good hunt. I, I want to say, if I remember right, we saw five bucks that morning and seven does. And uh, JB was kind of hunting more of a management buck. I was more after a trophy. Uh, we almost pulled the trigger on one. He just didn't stick around long enough. We had this uh, probably like a, I think he was like a three-year-old. Should have been an eight-point, but had no brow tines. And so perfect buck for JB to take. Uh, but basically he came out and there was a doe at the feeder and he just immediately chased her off and ran away and we didn't get a shot. So that was about the most action we had. Right before we climbed down, we did see a, a really nice looking buck chasing a couple does, but they were like over a thousand yards away and headed away from us. So, you know, that wasn't really like in play. Um, uh, we did talk about potentially going, like they were on our property. Uh, we talked about maybe going after him, but with the, the ranger being dead, we're like, well, there's no way we're going to go further away from where we need to get back to. And so we kind of just had to let him go, unfortunately. Uh, but anyway, so we turn around and we head back to where uh, Randy and Kelly were hunting. And Kelly, he, he had shot his nice buck. I don't know if I said that or not. Uh, his big, biggest buck to date, a nice uh, typical 11 point. So that was really cool. And uh, so we... Uh, we're heading back towards them and Randy's like, Hey, like we're still seeing deer. They're still moving, you know, give us a minute. And so we wait a little while. Finally, Randy's like, all right, y'all come on. So we get to them about 11. So it's pretty late already. And, uh, like as we turn the corner to where we can see them, like the, the battery is dying in this Ranger and Randy's like waving us on, like, come on. Like, I guess he thought maybe we were trying to like be easy, you know, if they weren't ready for us or something. And so they're like, they're waving at us, like, hurry up. And I finally opened the door. It's like, we can't, like, this is all we have. And so we roll up there and we're kind of laughing at the situation we're in. We're admiring Kelly's buck and Kelly's like, all right, well, I'll go get the truck and, you know, we'll, we'll tow the Ranger back. And so me and Randy and JB are sitting there and I, I send Casey a text. I was like, Hey, like, you know, we're almost done. He'd been asking where we're at. He had, he had shot a buck also at like eight 30. So he's been by himself, like two miles away from us, wondering what's going on. What, what's taking us so long. He's you know hungry and stuff. So Kelly goes back to get the truck and uh, we're all standing there talking. And all of a sudden Randy pulls out his phone and just starts like screaming, you know, cuss words. And we're like, what? He's like, Kelly said, the keys are locked in the truck. Not a joke. <laughs> so we're like, oh gosh. And so now we have a dead ranger and no way to get into this truck because the keys are locked in it. He does have a separate uh, or a, an extra set of keys, but they were back at the house. And so Randy's like, don't worry about it. I got a buddy that lives out here. I'll give him a call. You know, he can bring us the keys. Calls his buddy. No answer. And so now like a little bit of, not necessarily panic, but some annoyance is setting in and so we'd wait a few minutes trying to figure out, you know, some way we might be able to break into the truck. And, uh, and of course, Randy and Kelly are arguing about which one, you know, whose fault it is, like which one of them hit the lock button and all that. And uh, he tries to call his buddy again. Again, no answer. And so we're like, all right, new plan. Like, obviously, we're on our own. And so we took everything out of the Ranger possible. And he basically, Randy decided he was going to go by himself and just drive it, you know, as far as he possibly could. And then, you know, take basically take off walking and hopefully get a hold of his buddy while he was walking out to the road. So he takes off and, uh, and Randy tried to do, I think I left that out. Uh, but so, um, me, Kelly and JB are there. We clean their deer and everything. Um, and we, we have like very little service. We hike up to where the blind is trying to get some service. Basically end up, we hang, we end up hanging out for like two hours and then finally they come pulling up. Little be done to us, we didn't know this, but Randy was driving off, had not made it very far at all, and there's a guy who has the cattle lease out there. Randy has the hunting rights. This guy has the cattle rights. 
uh, he was out there checking the cattle. He had gotten stuck and, and had to unhook his trailer and was headed out. Well, Randy tried to chase him down in the Ranger, but because it was so low on battery, he couldn't catch up to him. Uh, but luckily, Randy was able to find a spot that had service and get a hold of Casey, who was you know further out, and told Casey to go running out to the road. So Casey ran out to the road and got you know flagged down the cattle guy. That guy gave him a ride back to the house. He got the extra keys and Randy's pickup and drove back out to us and picked Randy up. And then they came out to us. And then yeah, so then we had three vehicles out there. Uh, we were able to get into the truck. We had to pull the the Ranger back. And while we were waiting on him, you know, I was just bored. So I pulled out Onyx. And from where we were sitting to the road was five miles. And then it's another two miles from the gate back to the house. And so luckily that cattle guy was out there. He saved us big time. Otherwise, Randy would have had to make it seven miles to get the keys. Um, so, yeah, but just a huge mess. Um, just one of those things that just tends to happen when we're all out there. So, uh, but I'll, anyway, so that was cool. We ended up getting it worked out. It was like two o'clock by the time we got all that done and back to the house. So, we basically scarfed down some lunch, went out for the evening hunt. Uh, Randy and I went to his new lease, uh, saw some, uh, we saw a lot of deer actually. Uh, we saw one pretty dang nice three year old 10, had like a split G2. We saw tons of hogs. Uh, Randy shot uh, one hog like 30 yards from the blind, and then right before we left, he shot another one. I think it was like 313 yards, uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, but pretty, fairly in, uneventful evening, and then uh, the next morning, it warmed up quite a bit. Uh, me and who all went? Maybe just been me and Kelly uh, went hunting. Uh, no, JB came too, and so yeah, that's right. JB and Kelly went to one spot, and then I went to another spot. And uh, it was, I think I posted this on Instagram. The night before, I was going to go back to where Randy and Kelly been, had been because they just saw tons of deer. Um, and yeah, it just seemed like a really good spot. So the night before, I was like, all right, I'm going to go there. That morning I woke up, I was like, all right, I'm, that's where I'm going. We were driving out there and we were all in one vehicle this time. And uh, the whole time, I'm like, man, I'm, I might go to a different spot. I might go to the back. Uh, historically, this is just one of the best spots. Um, they had been getting some pictures of some decent deer back there. That's the direction the deer the morning before that we saw that had been running, like he had been headed that direction. And I was like, man, I at, basically at the very last second, like at the turn off in the road, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the back. And so I changed my mind, went to the back, and uh, didn't see. Well, I saw a couple deer, uh, but you know, no big bucks or anything. And then, uh, of course, you know, as we're heading back to the house, Randy starts sending us uh, pictures from his trail cameras, and a good buck had been there where nobody was. So, you live and you learn. Should have been there. But uh, anyway, great week, great weekend. Uh, like I said, a couple guys had success. Really fun hanging out with the guys. Definitely saw some rutting activity um, Saturday, especially when it was nice and cool. Uh, Sunday was just slower. Like, it just warmed up quite a bit, so... So yeah, that was a really long uh, story of last weekend. This weekend, I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to get to hunt or not. Uh, so I've been you know gone the last two weekends. My poor wife's been keeping our baby, so it's definitely my weekend. Um, I might be able to work it out. I think my mom uh, might be out at the ranch this weekend, and so if she is, I might take the baby with me, and you know just let her keep the baby for a couple hours while I hunt, and then I'll take back over you know throughout the night, and then maybe let her keep her again in the morning while I hunt. But I don't know yet. Um, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. It might be time for me to just be responsible. Uh, I have a nice buck on the ground already. Let my wife do her thing. And, you know, it wouldn't hurt me to relax a little bit. And then uh, I think I'm definitely going to get to hunt the following weekend, 
which would be uh, the opening se- opening weekend of Rifle. And then Monday, I am going to leave on what we are talking about today, my Colorado elk hunt. Uh, it is snuck up on me, honestly. Uh, this The last couple of days, I've been like ordering some last-minute gear. Uh, we talked about in this episode kind of things we're wanting to take. Uh, we already we recorded this a couple days ago, so I've already had some time to kind of mull around on it. Uh, I ordered some new binoculars, pulled the trigger on that. Uh, that's really the only kind of like big expensive thing I ordered. Uh, other than that, I was like, you know, getting a new orange hat because Colorado requires a lot of orange. Um, I ordered a few accessories for the four-wheeler that I plan on taking, like some mitts that cover the handlebars to keep your hands warm when you're driving. Uh, we, Jasper and I checked the weather yesterday and it's like already getting down into the single digits, pretty close to where we're going. And we're going to be even higher than like where we were checking the weather. So, you know, it's still a little bit too early to tell, but if it keeps, you know, on this trajectory, it is going to be really, really cold and probably really, really snowy, which could be good. Like I think elk wise, that's probably good, but it could also be very miserable for us. So anyway, I don't want to ruin too much more. Uh, again, this week, it's kind of like the the pre-trip breakdown. So uh, me and Jasper, we're meeting up. He's from Idaho. I'm from here. We're meeting up in Colorado to go on this five-day elk hunt, and y'all are going to hear all about that. And so that's what we're talking about this week. And then obviously after the hunt, we'll probably have another episode where we break down our hunt, hopefully tell some cool stories of our success. But you know, either way, we're going to have a really good time, and we're probably going to learn a lot. And so that's what we're talking about this week. Uh, we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsors, then we're going to get going to get into the episode. Thank you guys for listening to this. And again, like, man, I, I feel like this is the time of year where a lot of people start getting just getting discouraged if they don't have a buck on the ground. Like, you know, we're kind of into that rut, maybe, you know, kind of getting towards the end of rut and people start getting worried. Don't worry, guys. Like, we still have... We still have like two months of season left, and so it's not time to hit the panic button just yet. So just get out there, stay diligent, you know, be smart, and hunt hard, and you still have plenty of time. So, all right, that's enough for this intro. Welcome to the episode, guys. I'll see y'all after this for the uh, outro, and uh, yeah, that's enough for me. We'll see you guys on the other side. Arrowhead Land Company has one goal, to help the hardworking landowners of Oklahoma and beyond. Founders Will Bellis and Andrew Schultz have years of real estate experience between them and will use it to help you either buy or sell that little slice of heaven. Real estate is one of the oldest and safest investments you can make in this great country of ours, so it makes sense that you want to trust that decision with someone who really knows the business and wants what's best for you. And it certainly doesn't hurt if that person knows a thing or two about hunting. So check out Arrowhead Land Company for all of your land buying and selling needs. One lake, all day, all yours. That's the Private Water Fishing motto. Private Waters Fishing is a member-based fishing club that offers a superior outdoor experience and some of the best bass fishing in Oklahoma and Texas. Private means private. When you reserve your lake, you have exclusive access with no other members on the lake with you. These are professionally managed and stocked lakes, most of which are over 10 acres in size. If you want to get in on the action, call 214 871-0044 or go online at privatewaterfishing.com. Deer Lab is the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. From photo recognition to tracking individual animals, Deer Lab's trail camera app saves you time, is easy to use, and works with all trail camera manufacturers. Deer Lab makes it drop dead simple to track specific animals or groups of animals using your trail camera photos. 
Profiles allow you to understand patterns by date ranges, times, and camera locations. DeerLab's heat map allows you to visually see how a profiled animal moves at different times of the year. For all of these features and more, check out DeerLab.com, and don't forget to use code OKLAHOMAOUTDOORS at checkout for 20% off your subscription. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show, and today we got my old buddy Nathan Jasper. How you doing, Nate? Good, how we doing, man? I'm doing real good. I'm going to try my hardest to refer to you as Nate and not Jasper, because I know that's kind of what you go by now, but uh, if it slips either, out... Either or. Either yeah. or. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Uh, man, for those of you listening, uh, Jasper's been on once before. Oh, see, I already did it. Nate has been on once before. Uh, <laughs> Nate and I go back. We're old college buddies, so we met in Idaho. Uh, Nate's from there, and uh, before I tell everybody all about you, I'm going to let you go ahead and do it. So, Nate... Uh, just real quick, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, that sort of thing. Yeah, born and raised in Idaho, grew up in northern Idaho, moved down here south. I'm in the Twin Falls area now. And uh, yeah, just love to get after it, love to get out there, elk, mule deer. And John and I have usually been kind of trading off. I'll go down there and do a whitetail, hog, duck hunt. He'll come up here, do archery, elk usually. And uh, yeah, we've just enjoy each other's company a lot, a lot, like to give each other a lot of crap and uh, <laughs> just uh, get after it out there. That's right. That's right. So uh, so just a little background on, on Nate and I. So again, I, I uh, you know went up to Idaho for college, didn't know a single soul. And uh, you and I didn't really know each other that well. When I was a freshman, you were, I think, two grades above me. Um, but yep. t- kind of towards the end of my freshman year, we kind of started getting to know each other, realized you hunted and I hunted and, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I, t- when I went to Idaho, like I basically went there for the hunting, but it was just so much different than what I grew up doing. And so you kind of took me under your wing a little bit and you're the person that I kind of looked to for questions and that sort of thing. So I guess it would have been my sophomore year when you and I started hunting together and, uh, yeah. And I, I had, I had yep. fire fought that summer and kind of learned some new areas and your family actually had a cabin not too far from there. And so, so yeah, my sophomore year, we started, that was our first time elk hunting together. We were rifle hunting, uh, our, our very first hunt ever, we almost killed a bull elk. And then we had that stupid white tailed doe, <laughs> uh, that we have a, a name for that I won't repeat on this podcast, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we were, we were stuck. This bull was bugling. We were so cl- I mean, we were right there and we pop over this little rise and there's this little white tailed doe and she started blowing her head off and those elk took off and we never, anyway, so, uh, everything so yeah. blew off that mountain. It was, oh, yeah. it was crazy. Yep. That was a fun time, though, man. <laughs> it was. It was. And then uh, I guess I think you – no, we, we hunted together one more year. Or did you graduate that year? I don't remember. But even after you – I, I think – Go ahead. I think we did one more year. I think uh, we did I one more like, year after I that. Like I, we I can't did. remember either. Yeah. Uh, but then you – so you graduated before I did. Uh, but we would still meet up a lot of time. We'd meet in the middle, and uh, we chased mule deer and stuff like that. And then I kind of got into archery hunting towards the end of college. Um, and then right. you kind of got into it also. And then after I graduated, that's kind of when we started the hunt swap. So I would go up there and then you would come down here. And, and so most of our elk hunting together has been archery hunting, really. Um, like I said, we did right. a year or two of the rifle and then switched to archery. So, right. um, but anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today we're talking about an adventure that we have coming up and I'm going to let you kind of lay the groundwork a little bit. 
And uh, I've mentioned it on this podcast several times, but I've never really deep dived into it. And so this is just going to be an episode of us talking about what's upcoming, kind of what we're thinking going into it, and, and basically what we got ourselves into. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about kind of the hunt that we're going to. Sure, sure. And hunting out of state was something that um, I've been wanting to do for a while. I started to build up points in Colorado and Wyoming. Excuse me. And uh, uh, you and I were both kind of starting to do this strategy and kind of dream and, and plan together there a little bit. And so I started kind of looking into like what opportunities would be there and kind of uh, play around with the idea of, of going guided or doing a do-it-yourself, but maybe with like a, a trespass fee or what other options are there. And I stumbled upon a place that does um, that has like a lodge where you stay in. And they provide kind of information where they've hunters have uh, harvested in the past, as well as kind of give you a rough air, like ideas around the area of places where you should probably go check out. And they also provide like a pack out service. Should you get one down, they'll provide horses that will transport it out. And I thought everything about that sounded like a really good idea, kind of what I was looking for, where, you know, I, I don't have someone there holding my hand and, and, you know, guiding me in the process, but mm-hmm. kind of, uh, introducing you to a new area where you can kind of go and explore and kind of do your own thing. And I thought that sounded perfect for what I was looking for and got in touch with them and started asking questions and then got in touch shortly thereafter with you and started asking questions and, and, uh, we looked at the seasons and dates and what would work and, and it happened to fall like the fourth uh, rifle season. Colorado's their late one, and they had spots open there. And we started talking about that, and it's right over Thanksgiving. And so, of course, we had to get on with our significant others right away and get them on board. And uh, uh, both said yes, and now uh, here we go. This is in the works. So mm-hmm. this is our adventure that we're going to go be doing late season rifle Colorado elk. And yeah, this has been in the works for a long. So I think we we booked this August of 2021, I believe. Um, That's and right. So, yeah, like my wife wasn't even pregnant, um, and uh, now I'm missing my child's first Thanksgiving. And so yeah, way to catching, go. Yeah, I know, I've been catching a lot of crap for that. Father of the year. She she's not gonna remember it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh be my happy. girls were talking tonight and like asking why daddy wasn't going to be there for thanksgiving i was uh, like oh, right. <laughs> oh, oh. Yep. mountains elk mm-hmm. stuff yep yep uh so yeah so i i'm very excited for this hunt but it, it's it's completely different than any elk hunting we've ever done really um you know we mentioned like right. you, you grew up rifle hunting elk i did it for a season or two uh, but then we switched to the archery hunting, and we both have been hunting Idaho, which, you know, which Idaho is a great, you know, that's what it's, it's kind of famous for being a nice over-the-counter state. Um, right. But it, it's just, it's been getting so much more populated, the less, you know, it's so popular. Um, one of, On our last trip, one of our guys didn't even get a tag because they had sold out, which, like, when I was in college, that was unheard of, uh, you know, them selling out of tags. Um, right. And so, you know, we, we kept running into people. We talked about, and it's also, it's a really long drive for me to get up there. You know, it's like 30 hours or 24, depending on where you go. Um, so now we're kind of getting to somewhat meet in the middle. I think your drive's still about half yeah, of what Colorado, mine is. Colorado works out pretty nice mm-hmm. for that because it's, it's pretty much, yeah, right in the middle of, mm-hmm. of us driving toward Detroit. So yeah. and, I'm excited uh, for that aspect of it. I think it could work out. 
Absolutely. And yeah, we get a little bit of insight. We're still going to be hunting public land. It's we're, we'll be hunting national forests, right. but, but we, we have that nice comfortable lodge instead of sleeping out of camp like we normally do. Um, you know, we'll be able to take yeah. a shower, which kind of sounds nice. Um, so yeah, it just, it just sounded like a great, uh, kind of a great compromise and we're getting old. Let's, let's, let's admit it. We're both in our thirties now and, uh, and yeah. I'm in terrible shape. So that's, that's going to be fun. So. <laughs> Well, we got that going for us. That's right. That's right. I'm going to have to drag you all over this mountain. I know. Uh, as you normally do. As you normally do. <laughs> for those listening, you know, if y'all have never seen me, I'm like 5'7 on a good day. And uh, you're you're probably, what, 6'1", somewhere in there? Yeah, 6'1". Yeah. And uh, I'm also an asthmatic and uh, grew up in the flatlands of Texas. And so <laughs> Jasper and I hunting together, it's always well, – so the first year we hunted together, I was fresh out of firefighting, so I could keep up then. And I feel like every year since then I've just gotten worse and worse. So. <laughs> but, but it's going to be That's fun. That's why we got to keep, we'll you, keep you coming out to these mountains, man. Keep I know. you in shape. Kick your butt a little it. bit. I know it. And then i got to get you down to Oklahoma and sit you in a stand and try to make you not move around. Oh, my, oh my goodness. Yeah. Always a challenge. Uh-huh. But uh, – but yeah, so that's what we're doing. So it's it's fourth season, Colorado rifle hunt, and uh, and we're super excited about it. But as I mentioned, you know, neither of us have really done this type of elk hunting before. So that's kind of why we're having this podcast and what we're going to be kind of talking about today. So, um, so the first thing I want to start with is just gear. Um, and you're probably much more equipped for this than I am. But as I mentioned before, like not, neither of us have ever hunted elk this late into the year in fact we've both kind of you know the last several years we've always hunted in september during archery season so uh so i'm going to start with you jasper what are what are one or two pieces of gear that you either had to buy or borrow or something like what are just some gear that you uh had to bring out for this trip okay sure i'd like to start with just gear that's going to get me there Mm -hmm. and i i'd looked at you know our our lodge on uh, on X, and we're sitting at about nine thousand feet where the lodge sits, which is about maxed out where we hiked to, like when we've hunted mm-hmm. in Idaho, mm-hmm. in the steep country. So we're going to be way up there, and so I'm just going to be make sure I have things in my truck that are going to like number one chains. Mm-hmm. I want to have chains, probably some wood blocks in my truck. Make sure my jacks in there. Make sure you definitely have a spare tire, you know, all these things in my truck that are going to be, you know, prepared for snow and getting dumped on should it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else would I put in there? Maybe even a chainsaw in case uh, we get some trees down mm-hmm. and uh, gear like that. What about what about you? Are you thinking of anything like along those lines for so truck along, gear? Along those lines... Uh... Man, I do not have snow chains. <laughs> I think I'm actually going to be uh, taking my dad's truck uh, for fuel efficiency. My dad has an F-150, uh, you okay. know, some more off-road type tires. Um, my truck's just so heavy, and it's a company truck, really, so I, I hate to put those miles on my boss. Um, so I think I'm going to be bringing my dad's truck up, and then I'm going to bring in a, uh, be bringing my four-wheeler because um, I think there right. are going to be a decent amount of roads and logging roads and stuff. Um and so I'll be bringing the four-wheeler. My plan is to try – I still haven't done it yet. I know it's, we're only about two and a half weeks from this trip. But uh, my plan was to weld up a little, like, extension rack um, so that basically we could both ride on it. And then if we needed to, put either just our packs or maybe, you know, a quarter to a meat or something like that on the back 
just something to carry our gear. Um, and then I got a, uh, a double gun rack on the front, so we'll be good there. Um, and then one thing right on. that I, I brought up to you, cause it's still kind of in the getting around type category, is uh, potentially snowshoes. Uh, because I mean, actually, just this uh, last couple of days, I've been seeing guys coming up, cu- coming back from Colorado, and it looks like it's dumping snow right now. Oh boy! Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, snowshoes are a thing. I I went out and grabbed a pair. Uh, I'd never had snowshoes before, but I was talking to my dad, and it turned out he had some. I was like, "Oh yeah, you can have my snowshoes." I'm like, "Okay." So, <laughs> and they look brand new. I don't think they've ever been used. So I don't know what he's doing with them, and but he gave them to me, so. I got those going. So yeah, I'll definitely bring those in case we need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I can't say I know a single person with snowshoes. <laughs> I've actually, I've actually been looking on Amazon and they're really not bad. Uh, you can get a pair for like 80 to a hundred bucks. And so I'm actually thinking okay. about, uh, buying some and then maybe just like reselling them, you know, after the trip or something. Uh, cause yeah, I, just, I don't know. Hey, you might, you might get those freak snowstorms out there in Oklahoma and you might need to go oh, trudging yeah. around some <laughs> public right. land, you know, that's right. That sounds that's like true. right up my alley. Oh yeah. All the time <laughs> happens all the time. Um, but, uh, you know, we like we've both hunted in snow, but I've never hunted in like, you know, foot plus deep snow. And I, I think we have that potential. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think we're going to be running, these elk are probably going to be starting to, if not already migrating out of this area. Mm-hmm. And probably we're going to be pretty close to the Wyoming border and they're probably going to be going down to lower elevations that way. So mm-hmm. it may be, it may be trying to catch them as they're crossing the lowlands. I don't know if, I, I really don't know though. So yeah, they, they could still be hanging up high depending mm-hmm. on, all this again, depending on weather, they could be up high in the mm-hmm. hanging out in the aspen groves and the thick stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, we, we kind of got to be ready for anything because who exactly. knows? We'll plan all this and all this snow will get there and it'll be 45 <laughs> out and yeah. sunny and mm-hmm. nothing. And, but and that's one of the, I think actually uh, I may have read this from the Colorado Parks and Wildlife <laughs> Department's website, but they say that's one of the most challenging things about this last this fourth season. Is that, yeah, you just don't know. Like, it could be 60 degrees during the day, but it could also be, you know, negative 20 in the morning. There's just such a crazy right. variance. And so, yeah, I'm I'm probably just going to bring every piece of, uh, you know, hunting clothing that I have and kind of be prepared exactly. for everything. But but I, I had to go out and buy some, some clothing. Um, you know, I have some really, really warm clothing, but it's all whitetail-type gear. You know, like I have, like, super nice uh, you know, like the soft Sitka gear and stuff, but that stuff's mm-hmm. not made for hiking around the mountains, really. Right, everything um, that would just be sitting on a stand. Type, exactly, exactly. And, yeah. and you know, whether we whether we're sitting to glass or not, you know, like it's at some point we're going to be doing a bunch of moving, and it's probably going to be really cold. And so layering is going to be a really big deal. And so I already exactly. had some of the the nice first light long johns. Um, I bought some cheaper, they're, they're not hunting pants, but they're just kind of a, a cheap, like insulated pant that I think is going to be pretty nice. And then I ordered, I'm trying to, th- I think it's the First Light Uncompadre, um, um, have you pronounced that? They're puffy pants. And I've okay. I've never had a single article of puffy clothing. To me, like again, like as a whitetail, primarily whitetail bow hunter, you know, the puffy stuff is just so loud. Like that's the last thing you want. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, for the layer ability, the pack ability, 
I think puffy stuff is going to be really good. Yeah. And then uh, last year, actually, I bought a, uh, a decent like Columbia puffy jacket. Uh, it's it's kind of like fashionable camo, you know, not like hunting camo, but it, it's going to be fine. So I got a, a puffy jacket and puffy pants. Um, and my thinking there behind that is, you know, maybe put it on for the four wheeler ride, take it off at the trailhead, hike. If you know, if we get up to glass or something, I can throw it back on. I like that. Yeah, that's kind of my strategy too. Is just layer after layer after layer. I went ahead and bought a full uh, uh, coveralls, mm. just because I know that four wheel ride is going to be brutal <laughs> yeah. in the yeah. in the morning. Yeah. I'm already oh, not looking I'm, forward I'm, to I that. I meant to tell you. I meant to tell you, and I need to do this too. Probably get some like goggles or something. Uh, you know, keep your face sure. warm. Uh, and definitely, you know, which I'd probably have it anyway, like a neck gaiter. Um, yep. Yeah, I got balaclava and. Mm-hmm. goggles and the whole nine yards yeah, exactly exactly so and yeah i'm going to be using a lot of my sitka gear i've got like the mountain pants mm-hmm. and i've been really impressed with that i actually do like the padding in the that it has on the knees mm-hmm. that's great for when you're crawling around or having to get in the snow and it keeps that moisture off your off your knees and areas where you're going to be squatting around in it mm-hmm. and uh yeah just layer after layer sweatshirts vest all of it yeah. i'm gonna be looking like that that kid in uh christmas story <laughs> that's right you uh-huh. can't put my arms down uh-huh yeah uh and that my, one other thing i plan on bringing i plan i have uh some really nice sitka rain gear and you know if there is a bunch of snow i might wear that as an outer layer you know it's not going to add that much warmth but just to stay dry you keep everything dry exactly yeah because yeah, I don't know about you, but man, I, I hate when my like pants get wet because eventually it's going to seep through those layers. It's going to get to your socks and then it's going to go down into your boots. And I just, I hate wet feet. Um, and so Amen. yeah, I, I Being think wet's I might be the worst. Yeah. So I think I might be wearing my rain pants on top of everything just for, you know, safe measure. So. Right. And I'll have some of those as well. So, mm-hmm. Uh, what about boots? Uh, so <laughs> I remember, I think it was this last, last elk trip. You ran around in tennis shoes a lot of times. Like you're not a, a huge boots guy, if I remember right. Um, uh, but it's going to be cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I do have a nice late season, uh, very tall boot and I'm going to be rolling with those. Um, have, I've had these ones for a while and yeah, like you said, I'm really not wearing these. So they have, don't have a ton of use, but I actually did get to use them this season in Idaho. We had an early snowstorm, and uh, they held up really well, so I'm excited to take those down, and I think they'll do great. Yeah. Do you know what uh, like what grain insulate those are? I want to say it's 800. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, I'm kind of kicking myself now. I bought some new boots for this trip, and I think they're Cabela's brand, but they, they like transition, so like – like the toe area is supposed to be 800 and then the rest of the foot is like 600 and then the ankle area is like 400. Um, okay. Which I think is going to be good, you know, if we're doing a decent amount of hiking, but I am right. a little worried, you know, if it's a really cold day and we're just sitting there, I'm a little bit worried that that might not be warm enough. And I have, a, I have an older pair um, of 800 grain boots that I'll probably bring but they're pretty darn worn. I think I actually bought them when I was still in college. So they're pretty worn okay. out. Um, but I'll probably still bring them as a backup just in case. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, my feet are usually pretty good. Um, and, I, you know, I like that extra warmth in the toe area. But, uh, man, I just, I just like, I, I have very little experience with snow in general, much less, you know, hunting in snow. 
So we'll see on that. I one that one piece choice. of gear. I one piece of gear I recommend to anyone is those little liner socks. They're getting mm-hmm. harder to find. I can't really find them anymore, but I used them a lot when I was uh, backpacking around for a living, and uh, and they're great. They're just almost like a, just a really thin liner sock, and you just put that under your big thick wool socks, hmm. and they're great because they stop blisters too. They hmm. stop all that abrasion. So mm-hmm. I like them for kind of that dual purpose, and they keep you a lot warmer. Yeah, yeah. I finally. Uh... The last two weekends, I've worn these new boots. You know, I, I had to wait for it to get cold enough for me to be able to wear these, which is a challenge down here. Uh, and so I wore them for the first time two weeks ago when I when I killed my buck, and then I wore them this last weekend, um, even though it wasn't that cold. Well, the first night it was kind of cold, but uh, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, so I've been trying to just look for okay. any excuse for them to get cold so I can wear them to try yeah. to break them in. Uh, and I, I think I got them pretty good. My feet are usually pretty tough. I've, I've never really had that big of a problem with blisters and stuff like that, but gotcha. uh, you know, I definitely wanted to, to wear them a little bit for sure. Yeah. Congrats on that buck too, by the way, you sent Thank me that you. picture. It looks great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was awesome. I, I still haven't done an episode on it. Uh, that'll probably, probably yeah. come out after this one. Uh, hopefully the people aren't too eager. Uh, but, uh, I just yeah, checked I'm, the podcast this morning. I was like, I'm sure he's he's posted about that already, and I was a little disappointed. You know, you need to get <laughs> on these bad. things. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 a struggle. <laughs> it's a struggle. You know, having a job, you know, exactly. and the kids and all the things. Uh-huh. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I get you. Exactly. But I'm exactly. still going to give you crap. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I got, I got two other gear things. Uh, one thing that I'm I'm pretty curious about. What about pack? Um, you know, on on our last trips, we always had fairly large packs because we, you know, we were carrying our camp with us also. Um, but if we're just going to be day hunting, are you still going to have a large pack, or you, you think you're going to go I, down to smaller like day pack? I'm going to use my bigger pack, and even it's it's more of a mid sized pack. Um, mm-hmm. I I backpack out of it to hunt. It's a uh, it's a Badlands, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I like it a lot, and I'm going to go with that bigger pack, and I think I'm going to need it just because of all the layers. Yeah. Again, once I get stripping those off, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, unless I that, want to tie tie those to a pack, I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, as far as gear, like, I really don't plan on carrying that much stuff with me as far as gear. Um, but, yeah, just the dang clothes, you know, like, you know, the puffy j- jacket, pants, and you know, if it if it does warm up during the middle of the day and you're going to strip way down to like a long sleeve shirt, exactly. I mean, you yeah. got to have somewhere to put that stuff. And so, yeah, I, I'll, I, I'll pro- I'm going to bring two packs. I'm going to bring uh, my old, you probably remember my old Eberle stock pack. And yeah. then uh, for our last trip, I got that bigger Stone Glacier pack. Um, and so I'll probably bring the Stone Glacier first just to make sure I have enough room. Um, if it, if maybe if it's a day where I don't think I'm going to have to, take off as many layers i'll bring the the smaller pack um but yeah like i said i yeah just just being able to carry clothes is like my main concern right uh, and then uh what about glass as far as you know binoculars and spotting scope yeah i'll just run you down my my rig i have uh my bino harness i'll have my uh my uh vortex binoculars 10 by 42s I think it's the. Uh, I'm not sure which line of the diamond line back it is, probably. but I think it's the Diamondbacks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then my spotters, the 
the higher end one, the uh, the Viper, I think. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's the smaller spotter though. I like it because it's compact and I can kind of take it everywhere, but I can mm-hmm. still get out there and see a lot with it. Yeah. And it's uh, the I think it's 11 to 33 power, mm-hmm. and love that a lot. We got the lightweight uh, Vortex uh, Alpine tripod with it. Mm-hmm. I'll be running that, and I've got Vortex uh, rangefinder to go in there with it too. Nice, nice. And that'll be what I'm taking. I kind of sound like a spokesperson for Vortex right now, I guess, but <laughs> hey, it's just what I'm using. Gets, yeah, it gets the job done. I'm I'm not too far off. I think I have the same binoculars, but I actually I've just the last couple of days I've been looking at maybe upgrading my binoculars for the trip. Um, this last weekend I was hunting, you know, in Texas with my buddy Randy and, uh, man, Randy is a, he's a glass snob. I mean, rifle scopes, binoculars, whatever it is. And, uh, I I was, I was looking through my binoculars and then I made the mistake of looking through his and they were just so much nicer. Uh, you know, we were, we were looking at some bucks or a buck that was like probably 200 yards out or something like that. And I mean, he was just describing it in so much more detail than I could see. Uh, that it just, man, it, it made me realize that I might, at some point I need to upgrade my binoculars <laughs> for sure. And, and for me, that's, like, that's why I, I, can't, I can't afford to look through those nice ones. That's, know, that's my problem. I, so. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and for me, like I have, I have a lower end spotting scope of a vortex. I think it's the vortex diamondback spotting scope. But, uh, the reason I went with that is like, I just don't use a spotting scope very often. Like I really only use it when I go up there. Um, I even, I took it to Nebraska with me this year thinking I was going to have, you know, all these chances to use it. And I, I barely even pulled it out. I just used my binoculars. And so for me, it makes more sense for me to spend more money on my binoculars because that's what I use more down here. Um, so, uh, potential upgrade on the binoculars. We'll see, uh, probably going to stick with the old vortex, uh, spotting scope. And then I have a, a Sig Sauer rangefinder that I'll definitely be bringing. Um, and then one thing, well, I don't know. We'll talk. I want to talk about glassing later. But uh, what about uh, what about your shooting iron? What are you going to be shooting out there? Yeah, I'm going to go with my trusty old Tika in a 308, mm-hmm. and I top that with a Vortex 4 to 12, and I love that setup. Pretty confident with it. So been out nice. there. After Halloween, busting pumpkins, getting some <laughs> practice in. So, nice. always a good confidence builder when you're busting pumpkins at you know 350 yards. Mm-hmm. Awesome, that helps. Awesome. Yep. I think I'm going to bring the old uh, the Christensen, the 300 Win Mag. Um, I got a US Optics. Uh, I think it's a three to twenty power scope on there. Um, it's one of their newer models. I can't remember the model on it. Um, Man, it's it's decent. It's not as good as I was hoping, honestly. For the money I spent on it, I'm not as happy as uh, I should be. Um, you know, they're really more of a target scope company. Uh, this was kind of they were trying to you know make more of a hunting scope with this one that I bought. Um, but it's just I don't know. I'm not as happy with it as I thought I would be. But uh, oh, yeah. but it'll it'll still what kind of re- what? I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. Well, what, what what kind of reticle does it have on it? Uh, it's got a, it's got more of a hunting reticle. I mean, it has, uh, you know, yardage markers and stuff going down it, but it's not a crazy like Christmas tree type thing. Okay. Um, so I, I like kind of the more basic, you know, I want to be able to see, I don't want all the the craziness going on down there. Yeah. Um, Same. 
but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think I'll be very, very confident out to 300, maybe even 400 yards. Um, this next weekend, I'm planning to go out and, and do quite a bit of shooting because um, I, you know, down here again, I just don't shoot that far that often. Um, you know, I've done it before for fun. Uh, you know, I've reached out to 600 yards on steel and stuff like that. Uh, but it, it's not something that I do all the time. So uh, right. I've been I've been trying to get some more practice on those longer distances. So um, right. Yeah. This this year I missed a personal best mule deer at 370 something yards, and mm. so I, was, I had to go do a lot of shooting because <laughs> once you once you do that, you get your confidence all screwed up. So you got to yeah. go reset. Yep, yep. Make I think sure I everything's should... good, but uh, yeah, I think I, I just got excited, which mm-hmm. I tend to do. <laughs> yep, I think I shot my bucket uh, maybe 70 yards, and so you know that's right kind of that's just more typical down here. So. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, I'm trying to think. Any other gear stuff you can think of? Oh, let's think. Um, any uh, kind of emergency equipment or things like that you're going to throw uh, in there? That's a good uh, good topic. Yeah, so normally I carry a decent amount, uh, but just for the fact that, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe we need to be carrying more emergency gear because we plan to come back every <laughs> night. <laughs> but... Uh, I don't know. I, I so for our last uh, trip, you know, I bought that. Uh, I think it's pronounced Luke's Lux Lux uh, tent, the TP tent. Um, yeah. So I thought about, you know, I bought like the TP, and then I also brought the inner shell. Um, and I'll, again, I'll probably bring both just in case. But uh, you know, if I have enough room in my pack, I might throw just the TP shell in there. Um, you know, if a if a random snowstorm pops up, you could throw that up super quick and get out of the snow. Um, or, you know, maybe the opposite, maybe it's super hot. Like maybe the sun's out and, you know, you could have some, have some shade in the middle of the day. Sure. Um, so that could be a very, or, or wind, wind can yeah, be brutal. Exactly. So I thought about bringing that yeah. just as a quick, uh, you know, again, like obviously we don't plan on staying out there overnight, but if we had to stay overnight or again, just if, a, if a random, you know, snowstorm popped up, we could get in it for, you know, hour or two while it blows over. So probably right. bring that. I like, I like that idea actually. Yeah. Um, I always have one or two lighters with me just because, um, I, I have a little first aid kit that I always carry with me, just some basic, you know, bandages and stuff. Um, what else? Yeah. I've, I've started throwing in some of that quick clot stuff. Yep. Just, uh, I mean, that's when you look at the statistics, that's what normally gets hunters. Mm -hmm. So, so having some of that could be a real lifesaver. And I, I like the idea of that tent a lot. I might throw in like a light tarp or something, mm-hmm. do something similar with that. Yeah. And um, emergency fire starter for sure. Yeah. And. Um, what about like a, yeah. for, again, me being a, you know, non-snow person, uh, I thought about trying to bring some kind of like pad or something just to sit on. So I'm not sitting in the snow. It's not a bad idea. It's um, not know, a bad I, idea at all. I know, like, uh, Stephen Rennell and the Meat Eater guys, they, they, like, they'll cut up, like, a, an old foam sleeping pad into little pieces and give everybody a piece of that to sit on. Uh, you know, just give them a little bit of cushion and, again, just kind of a moisture barrier. Um, yeah, but, uh, keep again, your butt like, from freezing. Exactly, yeah. But, obviously, you know, again, this is probably not going to be quite as hardcore as the hunts we've done in the past, but you still have to worry about weight, you know, and carrying all this stuff around. So, you don't right. just want to bring the whole kitchen sink but but you know little things like that that can make you more comfortable might not be a bad idea 
Yeah, and if I mean, I got the big enough. You and I will probably have the big enough packs anyway. So I mean, what's you know, just a couple ounces yeah. of uh, foam padding would probably go a long way. Just to, I mean, if it keeps you on the mountain mm-hmm. for an extra hour glassing, mm-hmm. totally worth it in my opinion. Yeah, yep. That's a great transition into the the strategy portion. Um, and so again, you know, we are going to have this nice cozy lodge. They're going to make us breakfast. They're going to make us dinner. Uh, I think they have really like, looking sandwich. forward to that. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think they have like sandwich stuff for us to make sandwiches for midday. Um, yep. But uh, I mean, what do you think? Like, are you thinking stay out there all day? You thinking maybe go back for lunch? What What are you thinking on that? I think it's all going to depend on uh, what we're seeing. And I, mm-hmm. I really want to hear from them and what they would suggest, mm-hmm. of course. But I mean, if you're going out there, and we're seeing absolutely nothing at a spot we're trying and like no tracks, no anything. It'd probably be time to head back to lodge and reset, plan out another one. Mm-hmm. But if you're out there and you're, you're seeing stuff, you're seeing fresh sign and, you know, fresh snow, fresh signs, things like that. Stay out there and see, see what's happening. Keep yeah. with it. Make it, make an all day hunt. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. I think for me, it's going to be more like weather dependent than anything. You know, if it's just, if it's just nasty, I can see myself throwing in the flag and, and running into the lodge. <laughs> um, I remember uh, the first year after I graduated when uh, me and a couple of buddies from down here went up there. Uh, I, I think there was four of us that year, and I, I won't name the other guys just in case they listen to this, but I remember uh, that, that first day uh, we all go hiking back, and you know we get about three miles back, and we actually, I think uh, one of the guys had almost had, got a shot on a on a spike that day. Uh, but anyway, yep. about like ten thirty, eleven o'clock or something, uh, the, the guys are like, "All right, like y'all ready to head back?" And me and you were like, "What are you talking about?" They're like, "Yeah, like we're going to go back for lunch." And I was like, "We like we hiked three miles back here, uh, but I mean, almost <laughs> every day those guys, those two guys hiked back and forth, and me and you would usually stay out." Um, but I mean, for me, it was almost more laziness than anything. Cause I mean, that added an extra six miles a day. Uh, exactly. You know, and that they, add, I mean, if you're going to do that day in, day out, you're going to yeah, do yeah. That, that much more rest. So exactly. Um, stay out, so, stay, put yourself in the game. Yeah. So I, I feel like me and you are kind of on the same page on that. Like we, we like to be out there, stay out there, you know, take some snacks. Uh, you're the king of like gummies and stuff. You always have a bunch of candy. Um, that's, that's, that's what I run on. That's right. Um, high quality fuel yeah so yeah so most likely weather permitting we'll try to stay out there all day um i feel like the big factor and we've mentioned it several times uh but you know talking about elk and our strategy and stuff a big part of this is just going to be snow like is there snow is there not snow um and not so much necessarily like i'm again i'm not talking about the comfort factor but just how it's going to push the elk or not push the elk is what I'm talking about. So, exactly. so how do you, how do you foresee, and again, you're way more experienced with elk than I am. Uh, how do you foresee the snow or lack thereof affecting the elk movement? I think it's going to be everything with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's probably going to be the factor that's moving them the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could be wrong that maybe they have their own natural migrations that they're kind of just doing. Mm-hmm based on photo period and they're just doing it that time of the year, year in, year out. And, uh, it's again, something that I don't know about this herd that, uh, I'm looking forward to learning, but, um, but I do see weather and the snow pack being 
the biggest factor in that. That would be my guess. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in talking to the, the guys at the lodge, they said in their opinion, this fourth season when we're going is when they see the most success. Um, they said it's one of the least popular hunts. And I think that's a combination of a couple things. Uh, one, yeah. one in the earlier seasons, you can also get a mule deer tag, um, but we cannot get right. a mule deer tag for this hunt. Um, the, I think it being the week of Thanksgiving, you know, deters a lot of people. Um, sure. and, and then also just the crazy weather, you know, like we've been talking about, you just right. kind of never know. Um, but the guys at the lodge, they said, you know, if you're willing to, you know, make those sacrifices and stuff, and if the weather cooperates, which it's, it's more likely that the weather will co- cooperate, which I think means snow at the higher elevations that you have really, really good chances of, of filling your tag. Right. So, yep. And that's um, what I'm hoping for. That's right. That's right. So I'm hoping there's a bunch of snow up top so that I don't have to hike up there to go after it. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, and then what about, uh, you know, we, we were talking about glass earlier. Um, traditionally, would, like when we, you know, went up for archery season and stuff, I feel like we really don't do that much glassing. Um, we move quite a bit, uh, we call quite a bit and we do some glassing, but I, I, like, I wouldn't say we've ever been reliant on glassing for killing an elk. Uh, but this late in the year, you know, they're not going to be rutting. They're not going to be bugling. Um, I feel like we're going to be a lot more reliant on the glass this year. I think that's accurate. And, you know, going back to those hunts that we're doing in September, you're not glassing that much because again, like you nailed it because you don't have to mm-hmm. when your elk are vocal like that and you get a bugle response, like, okay, game on, we're going after it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you don't have to glass, yeah. but this is going to be, yeah, I think you're right. That's going to be a lot more glass focused where if we can get up to a good spot to, to sit and watch and cover a lot of country with our eyes, mm-hmm. that's exactly the play we're going to make. Man, I, you know, you, you watch these Western shows or listen to podcasts or whatever, and you hear these guys talking about, you know, glassing like, you know, six to eight hours a day. I've never done anything close to that. You know, a lot of, a lot of, <laughs> I'll, I'll throw this out there too. A lot of times when we are glassing, like in September, a lot of times it's like midday when we're kind of taking a break, you know, like it's lunchtime and you're just kind of sitting there anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I, like, you know, the getting in there early, getting to a high spot, high spot and sitting in the same spot for like four hours, like that is completely foreign to me and probably you also. Sure. It's, it's becoming more of my norm though. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've forced myself to sit more because it's, mm-hmm. it's far more effective. Yeah. And, uh, especially for like here in Idaho, our mule deer hunts are usually in October mm-hmm. for October mule deer hunts. You better be on that glass early and you better be patient with it and be prepared to spend all day glassing mm-hmm. and that's how you're going to see them. Yep. So I've, as much as it pains me to sit in one spot <laughs> and, and cover country with glass instead of hiking my butt off, I'll, I'll do it because it's, uh, it's effective. Mm-hmm. Have you done much research into like, like effective areas to glass? Like, you know, a, a, maybe a slope that faces a certain direction or a certain type of vegetation type or anything like that? Sure. I mean, that goes depending on the year and like what the, what the animals are going to be using it for. Like in those early 
season like what I was talking about with an earlier season um, mule deer. They're going to be they're still going to have like their thicker winter coats on, but it's still going to be hot during the day. So they're probably going to be in the thick, you know, more south facing timber slopes. So you're going to want to glass the edges of those first thing in the morning and late at night or before it gets night. And, uh, but here with a late season, I would assume more, you're going to look more for, towards open, clear, south facing the warmer slopes this mm-hmm. time of year mm-hmm. would be where I would think the game would be hanging out. What do you think? Man, uh, yeah, I think it all depends on the weather, like you're talking about. I've heard, uh, or not heard, but read. I've, I've been trying to do some research also. Um, you know, I've heard sometimes the bulls, regardless of the weather, will hold up in the thick timber because it's been so pressured. You know, we are coming during the last hunting season. There's been, especially in Col- you know, Colorado is a, a populous state. There's a lot of hunters there. Um, so yep. I've heard that some bulls will just be in the thick of it no matter what, because they're just trying to get away. Um, That's a good I, point. I think at some point, you know, I, I, well, I don't know. I was going to say at some point it gets cold enough that they have to, you know, find some warmth, but man, from the stuff that I've read, like, like it's all, it's almost impossible for cold to affect elk. And I'm sure people are going to argue with me and stuff. And I know elk can freeze to death and everything, but but where we're going to be, like it's it's almost unheard of it getting that cold. Um, sure. And so and it's going to be November. It's not January. Right. Right. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, I'm. You know, I, again, like part of uh, you know, I think with this semi guided hunt, I, I feel like we're paying for two things: lodging, obviously. You know, they're putting us up, sleeping, and everything. But I think we're also paying for a little bit of knowledge. And knowledge, right? Yeah, that knowledge, local knowledge. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, this this person's been running this outfitting kit camp for years, and so they're going to kind of give us some some places to check out. Um, and so that local knowledge is going to be huge. Right. With that being that being said, though, I've already gone ahead and started my e scouting because mm-hmm. I I don't want to be 100 percent dependent on that. Right. Um, I'd love to have their tips and their input. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to go a long ways, but I've already started marking some spots on my Onyx and gone through and Google Earth a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think one key is just going to be find those sanctuary areas. I mean, getting as far away from the roads as you can mm-hmm. within the boundaries that we're working with there and finding these those deep, dark you know, spots people don't want to go into mm-hmm. and then uh, making plays on those. Yep. But... That, that strategy could be completely wrong. I don't know. I want to ask <laughs> these guys and see what they think. So, yep. so, uh, but I'll have, uh, just using that and my knowledge of what I know from where I'm at, I'll have those in my back pocket. Should I need to, or feel like I want to go explore a new spot, I guess. Yep. Yep. I'll bring all my, uh, Oklahoma elk knowledge with me. So don't worry. Don't worry. Hey, I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, one other thing that I just thought of that, um, I, like when we, when we booked this trip, you know, I was real excited about it, obviously. And I did a bunch of research, like right off the bat. Um, but I, I need to go over the regulations again before we go on this trip for sure. Um, that's a really good point. Uh, Hunter Orange is a big deal in Colorado and like they, they require a ton. I want to say they require maybe more than any other state. Uh, so like is it stuff, like a cubic inch it requirement is. that they have going it on there? It is. Yep. 
Uh, and, and, and it's it, I think it's part of it has to be a hat. Yep. Yep. And so like the, the little deal that I wear during Oklahoma muzzleloader and rifle season, like that's not adequate. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to borrow a, a vest from a buddy of mine. Um, but yeah, you got to have a head covering and it, you have to have like quite a bit of coverage on your body as well. Right. And I've got a, uh, a big blaze orange vest for bird hunting that mm-hmm. I might use and throw that over everything. Although if I have all my layers on, I don't even know if it'll fit. <laughs> I so, know. Yeah. That's, we'll I thought about that already. So, uh, so yeah, that's going to be a big deal. And then, uh, and then just what we can shoot. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain that, uh, a legal bull has to have at least four points on one side or maybe even both sides. Okay. So, well, I know this, this hunt we're doing is either sex. Yep. Yep. So uh, I'm going to hold out for a bull. I, I would probably going to do the same. Yeah, probably so. Um, I, you know, if we get down to the last day or two, that cow's going to be real tempting. Um, oh, I'm gonna, but, I'm gonna take it, for sure. But uh, but no, I I You'll definitely have to beat me to that one. <laughs> yeah, no, but no, I'm I'm definitely uh, setting my sights on a bull, and but I, I'm not gonna be too picky, you know. Uh, if it's that very first morning and a little four point walks out, I mean that's gonna be tough. Uh, you know, tough okay, decision to make. I'll, you know, I'll, I know, I'll you, I know ahead, you will. I'll go ahead and dip that. Right now. I, I'll say this for the viewers: <laughs> this man that I'm talking to, Nathan Jasper, is. He really is a meat hunter. Like he is the definition of a meat hunter. I've never <laughs> met a man who cares less about antlers than this guy. Now he likes shooting a nice trophy. You know, you know I, I everybody like does. But uh but he's not going to pass anything up. So I think I told our, our little spike mule deer story. Uh actually that that was that same deer uh, or same day as the doe that scared that bull. We were chasing that bull down the mountain. And we pop over the next little rise, and there's these two little uh, mule deer spikes. Like, barely, and, yeah, barely, yeah, barely yeah. spikes. Oh, yeah, little bitty forkies. And I'm having to, like, were, jerk the trophies reins. trophies in my book. <laughs> yeah, I'm having to jerk the reins back on Jasper. He's like, oh, he's like, we can both get antlers on opening day. I was like, we got a bull elk, like, right there. Like, we're not going to shoot these things right now. And we were, like, four <laughs> miles back. I was like, I'm not using my tag on that guy. So. Yeah, and then 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 what happens? Like two days later, you shoot a doe. Ah, that was uh, in the, that, in the no, that same was weeks, spot. That was weeks later. We that have, was the that was the last to, weekend. We have to drag it out uh-huh. in the rain, the rain, in the mud, in a giant cooler. <laughs> yeah, that oh was my the, gosh. That was like that was the last weekend of the season. Oh uh, sure. Yep. Yep. So. Oh, that was a good time. Yeah. Then we we got back to the car after all that, and we we had no water and like one beer. And so after dragging that thing like like three miles, we're like splitting a beer. Uh, I remember, like I, br- I brought that giant tent. Oh yeah, you had the um, roller, like, like rollers, and I rolled that thing out. And by the time yep. we got back, the truck is all ripped out. And oh yeah, <laughs> just caked in mud. Yep. Yeah we we carried <laughs> our we carried our camp about two miles back, and so that way we'd hike into the camp and hunt out of the camp, and then you know hide back. And yeah, we just we just left it out there all season. Like, we we carried it all in the first weekend. That's right. Left it there all season. And then the last weekend, we carried it out. That's how I know I – that's when I shot that doe because she was part of the pack out with our camp, which was terrible. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. good time. I think it, I feel like – I feel like we learned a lot in that trip. Oh, we did. We learned so much together. Uh <laughs> Not so, not so successful. We killed a couple deer, and uh, you, you've killed a couple elk. And guys that have gone on our trip have killed some elk. But I'm still elkless, believe it or not. I, I am elkless. I've had, 
I've had so many close calls. I mean, rifle and bow, so many close yeah. calls. Um, man, this last trip, uh, I don't know if you remember, you know, I went chasing after that herd. Uh, it was like the second or third day and had that giant six by six. It, I want to say I got within 80 yards. He had his whole, he had like 20, 30 cows with him. And, uh, but I just couldn't right. quite catch up with him. Uh, and, yeah, just all kinds of close calls. So that was another reason I wanted to go on this trip. It's like, man, like, give me a rifle again. <laughs> give me a, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit of cheating with some tips and tricks and stuff like that. And uh, like, I, I just want to. That's right. We'll take point. any. We'll take anything we can get here. Absolutely, absolutely. And so. yeah, that's my number one goal for this. I would love to be there when you when you mm-hmm. get your first elk. I think that would be awesome. Oh, that's. I, I'm probably going to cry. I'm probably going to cry. So. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll film it. Okay, perfect. perfect. <laughs> uh, uh, man, anything else you can think of that we haven't covered yet? Uh, I can't think of anything coming to the top of my head. Okay. But, yeah, I'm, I'm but yeah, I'm going to definitely, I'll do, I'll do deep dive in the regs there and, uh, mm-hmm. Make sure we're we're hundred percent going Absolutely. going forward for there. Absolutely. Well, cool, man. Well, I think that's going to do it for this uh, this intro here. Um, for those listening, our plan is obviously we're going to go on this hunt here in two weeks or so. And I haven't decided if I want to mess with like bringing my computer and microphones and stuff with me to where we can podcast while we're there. Or just wait till we get back. But we will definitely have a part two to this uh, where we'll be breaking down our trip. Hopefully we're successful, but I'm sure even if we're not successful, we're still going to have a lot of stories. And so I hope everybody will be looking forward to that. And uh, Nate, thank you for taking your time out of your day to uh, come sit down and and record this with me. Anytime, brother. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again for jumping on here. I think that's going to do it. And uh, man, I'll see you in like two and a half weeks. Can't wait. Awesome. See you later, bud. Later. All right, there we have it, folks. Man, if somebody was listening to this and you're like, those guys have no idea what they're getting into. I've been doing this a long time, and they please, please shoot me a message or an email or something and give us some tips. Anybody, like We are open to any kind of knowledge we can get. Uh, like I said, I don't think either of us have ever hunted elk in the month of November, much less the end of November. Uh, so, yeah, we could use all the help we could get. So don't be shy if you have some experience um, hunting late season elk. So that's going to do it for this week, guys. Uh, thank you guys so much. Um, like I was talking about at the beginning, don't give up. It is not time to hit the panic button yet. There is still a lot of season left. And uh, a couple people have asked, uh, I have not done an episode about my buck yet. That is coming. Most likely it's going to come next week, I believe. Uh, Still trying to work out a few schedule things. And, you know, I'm trying to get ahead a little bit for the upcoming trip because I'm going to be out of town. So, yeah, it's just a a little bit of a mess right now just with hunting season and trips and all that stuff. So bear with me if you don't mind. And uh, it's going to get out there fairly, fairly soon. So... All right, that's it, folks. That's going to do it. Um, Again, thank you guys for listening to this podcast, supporting this podcast. I can't thank you guys enough. And until next week, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. (laughs) 